I'm Bill Schaefer with Mark Middleton, and you're listening to Growing Boulder, where we bring you the stories of ordinary people who let their passions lead them to extraordinary lives. And Mark, how cool would it have been growing up to be able to tell your friends, what does my mom do? Oh, she's just an NHRA super comp dragster <laughs> driver, that's all. Man, I would have dug that. Uh, but it is only one of the interesting things, folks, about our next guest. Do you know what sparked it all for her? It was the day when she was told that she had terminal cancer and only about three years left to live. That was back in 2002. And, and Bill, I may not be great at math, but I do know she is still here with us today, and she is going strong. Let's welcome Tina Stahl. Hi, Tina. How are you? I'm doing good. How are you? Uh, we're doing great. Thanks so much for your time. Uh, and just to give us a little bit of perspective on your story, tell us a little bit about what your life was like before 2002, before that diagnosis. What were you doing? What kind of person were you then? Well, what I, what had happened was um, I had already gotten my license and had a car, and it was sitting in my driveway. And I just was kind of plugging along day after day, thinking eventually I'll get back out to the track. At the time, I was married to a uh, um, C456 incomplete quadriplegic. And so taking care of a man who's 24 hours in the chair and, you know, with having nurses and stuff, half the time I was doing it myself, then we would have help, and that wouldn't last long. And it was this back and forth and a young daughter and... Um, you know, I, I was just really trying to keep my head above water, but it was, it was just a struggle for each day thinking that, well, later I, I'll get around to me later. I'll get, there'll be a better, a better time or a better opportunity. And so, um, you know, you, you do that for long enough and it, and it really just wears on you. And I'm sure there's a lot of people who can just feel like they are going through the motions and every day is just, you know, they're clicking it off their calendar just because they make it through it. And I was I was definitely stuck in a rut of not necessarily feeling like I was getting a whole lot out of life, but just that life was taking a lot out of me. So what happened, Tina? What were you feeling that led you to go to the uh, the doctor in, in the first place in 2000? Well, you know, just at that t- point, I, had, I was just so tired all the time. And I just had gotten to a point where I was hurting all over and I was aching. And just really what probably most of us think either... You know, you go, man, I've got to be sick. There's got to be something else going on here because I am just beat. I mean, it just, that that just kind of all around, you know, um, just this feeling of how long can I keep doing this? And um, actually I had had a spot on my back that I thought was an insect bite that just, you know, kind of after was wouldn't heal, it would itch. And then I think, God, that thing hasn't healed up yet. And it went on for long enough that my um, doctor said, you have, you know, he goes, no more excuses. Um, I'm making you an appointment. You need to go have that um, biopsied. And that was kind of the, the turning point was when, when that diagnosis came back with a cutaneous T-cell lymphoma hmm. and already in stage three that literally the, the the bubble burst in my life and I realized that if I had an expiration date and I had a limited amount of time left and I was already feeling so tired and so exhausted that if I didn't do something now, um, I wasn't going to be able to, you know, I was going to run out of time. 
So here's the difference between Tina Stahl folks and many other people. And Tina, we've had guests on this program that say doctors absolutely should never deliver a terminal diagnosis because it becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy. It's a reason to give up and and not move forward. You went just the opposite way. You said, okay, this is what they've told me, but I'm going to live. I'm going to live bigger and stronger than anybody else. How long did it take you to realize, you know what, I'm not going to go. I'm not going to die. Well, you know what, it, it... I kind of, it, the funny thing is I probably kind of figured I was going to die, but I was going to do as much as possible to take, it, <laughs> take out everything in my path on the way out. Um, I, I realized I had three years to, get, to be every kind of, everything to my daughter that she would need for the rest of her life. I had three years to become the, my legacy. And so it put, you know, kind of put a pressure. It also gave me the first time, you know, there were some fears that I had struggled with my whole life. One of them was that what if, um, you know, I, I didn't have money. I didn't have enough money to go racing. That's what everybody kept telling me. Well, when you think you're going to live to 60 and you have to take everything you own and divide it by, you know, 25, you don't have much money. But when you take everything you own and divide it by three, all of a sudden, I had the finances. It also gave me a chance to say, look at my life. And I, at that time, I was on the volunteer fire department. I was on three or four board of, um, um, board of directors for different charities. I was, you know, doing every volunteer thing and, and all that. I looked at all those things and, and made a list and realized how many of those things were adding to my life and how many of those things were sucking me dry. And it was the first time where instead of feeling guilt like, oh, well, you know, you really should do that because it's a good thing, I was able to just look at it and go, I'm tired of it. I'm tired of the arguing on, you know, and on, on our PTO. I, nobody, you know, it wasn't about getting anything done. It was about a big power struggle. So that was off the list. Just one by one, things got marked off the list. People who drained me dry. Yeah, I mean, it's great to have friends and you need to be there for them but if you have a friend who every single time they come to you it's an emotional drain on you because they dump all their problems on you then they go off and make the same make the same choices it was like finally time to cut those people out of my life and it got down to my relationship with god my relationship with my mother my relationship i'm excuse me as a mother and my relationship um with my husband and then my husband left me during this time, so now it was just down to the two. And my desire to go racing. So you looked and you went, I went from having this long laundry list of everybody who wanted a piece of me down to the most important things. And that was my, you know, my daughter, my relationship with God, and a desire to go racing. And, and it just simplified things so much without guilt. And you know, Tina, that could have been it for your story because that's plenty, but that's not it because you have taken it upon yourself to reach out to other people, specifically soldiers, military bases across the country where you go. You started an organization called Team Troops, and and you're getting out there now. What what do you tell them, and what do they want to learn from you? Well, you know, the way that kind of my my cancer story ended was when I went in there for an evaluation— um, she basically said, you don't have it. Um, and I realized in, in that just that nano fraction that I had really gotten a get-out-of-jail-free card, that the Lord had given me my life back, which I really, I don't, I don't know if I even expected it. Or when I went in there, I certainly wasn't hoping to hear a miracle 
because I was so just set on the surviving of whatever was left. When I had to walk back through the waiting room, um, I realized that the other patients weren't going to get, I mean, most likely were not going to be as lucky. And it really gave me an obligation in my heart that, okay, you've been given a second chance. Every single one of those people would probably trade everything they owned to get that extra year with their kids, their extra their extra time, um, all these things that if I didn't use my life valuably since I hadn't been before, that it would have been, um, I just couldn't. And so one of the things that had kind of held me back from doing stuff with troops because I had already had a heart to do stuff but hadn't done it on my own was kind of that embarrassment, that rejection. You know, what if nobody wanted to see my car? What if nobody cared? What if they just all said no? And kind of that, that fear of rejection was taken away. And that's when we started stepping in. And at one point, um, I had met a bunch of guys from the Burn and FT Center down here at Fort Sam Houston in, in um, San Antonio and had thought it was a good idea. Let me get 50 tickets and bring them to the race. Well, and Tina, i, I got to tell you, your story is incredible. The courage that you showed and the efforts you're making to pay it forward it really is a testament to what you've been through. So listen, we want to wish you safety behind the wheel, but keep on living life in the fast lane, girl, because it sure seems like it's more fun. 